here we are. It's a it's a beautiful week, Lucas. At the end of this week, it's going to be summer. Believe it or not. You know, I was really excited for the summertime. Will uh, I hear that the sunshine, you know, kills the coronavirus? So I was excited to spend all, a lot of time outside with my friends. Maybe go to the Halifax Common. Um, mm. But unfortunately, I'm a little bit agoraphobic because of all the squirrels out and about. Um, oh, I'm going to be staying I inside. Uh, the blackout curtains drawn because boy howdy do those little rodents ever scare uh, the, the the pants off of me I completely feel you there this was uh, certainly not a great week to uh, be, be living near a wooded area such as I do so I'm kind of looking mm-hmm. over my shoulder into the balcony making sure actually it's, it's funny I only just thought of this now um, Jenna my wife ha- recently bought a bird feeder she's been kind of looking to get into some more niche interests now that we're kind of stuck inside more often than not. And she got a specific one where it is weighted so that when a bird perches perches on it, it can eat the bird seed. But when a squirrel perches on it, it will close shut. Oh, wow. No food for the squirrels. No equal opportunity. Get the hell. I was going to say, that was actually going to be my first thing was when you said you bought a bird theater. More like squirrel feeder because that's those little um, mangy mongrels uh, love uh stealing that dang feed you know well there's really two types of people in the world i too have taken up a new hobby uh given the the quarantine and you know the sun is out and it's like geez like we can't go to uh, bars anymore what am i gonna do with myself i've started trying to skateboard i bought a skateboard a couple of really? weeks ago yes uh i'm not very good uh, okay. I, I can barely push. I, I still have to get the, the handle of like riding around and pushing and basic stuff, but I can kind of, kind of, kind of hit an ollie. Like once every, yeah. I used to be once every 10 times. Now it's like once every four times I could pretty much hit an ollie, which is good. It seems like this is probably a uh, an evolution that I would have thought had already happened in your life. I figured that at a younger age, Lucas Mancini might have been more of a skateboarder, but it's only recently that you've been taking this up. No, yeah. I, 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 well, see, when I was a kid, I just wanted to play video games. I didn't want to go outside at all. And then when I got older and I was like, I want to skateboard, everybody who's skateboarding when they're 17 has already been skateboarding since they were 12 or they've decided they're never going to do it. So there was no right. one at my, uh, at my level. But a bunch of people in my neighborhood have... Like, like I keep meeting these people that are like our like our age, where it's like adult skateboard club where we're all starting as beginners, and it's like <laughs> okay, this is like nice. There's there's like a group of us that are all terrible, um, to all learn together. So yeah, new hobby. Hopefully I stick with it. Just as I hope that you know Jenna um, sees all sorts of of crazy birds, uh, a chickadee, a blue jay, you know the the whole nine yards. The best part is, is that the birds always come when she's napping. So then she'll come, wake up from her nap, and I'll be like, "Sorry, you missed the blue jay." So that's it, it's it's been very consistent. They always know when she's asleep. So fulfilling the promise that Tony Hawk's pro skater uh, made in the sweet days of our youth. Now Lucas is on a skateboard. <laughs> welcome, welcome to Elwood City Limits. It's the Episodic Arthur Podcast. My name's Will Young, and uh, the guy there on four wheels is Lucas Mancini. Hello, hello. And of course, alas, I can I can't skateboard, I can't bike, I can't do any of that stuff. I have terrible, terrible balance. 
Plus, I can't bike because the seat is just really uncomfortable for me to seat in as a, a gentleman of extra carriage. You need one of those lowrider ones, you know, where the, like it's like a full-on, like, basically chair. You know what I'm talking about? Where you're... Yeah. You got the yes. really tall handlebars. I've always wanted to ride around in those. I know that they have, like, those adult tricycles sometimes. Uh, like, I used to work at a place that had them, and I always wanted to ride one, but there's never an appropriate time. I always wanted to ride in one of those, like, motorcycle sidecars, like Rocky and Bullwinkle style. Yes. You, you never see those. No, rarely. It, you only do with, like, the the vintage motorcycles, the ones that are, like, on the highway or in, like, a, like a, a motor show or something. You never really see them in action. We've got uh, we've got quite an interesting episode to talk about today, and we've also got uh, well the words from a special guest near the end of it. But of course, we always like to start off an episode of ECL with uh, some emails. Elwood City Limits at gmail dot com. Uh, we've got a few this week, and most most of them are pretty fun. But uh, just want to just want to say something really quickly. I want to thank everybody for their responses to what we had to say about um, what's been going on lately outside with protests and Black Lives Matter and all that kind of stuff. We did get one email about it, and it's it's a good one. It's from a longtime listener Kelsey, who is very upset about the racial divide in her uh, in her state of Minnesota. Um, people not from my state won't notice that until they live here, and I feel like it's time to end. I've been so disappointed in my state for a long time, and she wanted to say Black Lives Matter, and uh, we appreciate that, and uh, I think me and Lucas are in tandem when we say the work is nowhere near done yet, and we, I feel, have done the bare minimum, and Mm. we're continuing to do as much as we can, but more behind the scenes, and we encourage you to do the same as well. And yes, Black Lives Matter. Of course, of course, and, and you know, thank you for writing in, and and yeah, I concur. Will I? I think uh, you never feel like you're doing enough, right? Like so, uh, 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 I try, I try as I can. Uh, we can always do more, uh, but it's always nice to receive emails like that. So let's move on here from Lion Dogs ZXA, one of our patrons. Uh, Dear Lucas and that one other guy I forgot the name of. Oh my goodness, the slander. I'm surprised you're reading this email. The Will slander, I'm not here for it. Yeah. What is that? uh, I mean, (sighs) well, hmm, let's see how much of this email I really read. (laughs) yeah dear hello dear 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 lucas the guy i forgot the name of uh, this is the thing you get, you don't you don't make fun of your waiter you know you're not rude to your waiter because they control your food don't be rude to the guy that reads the emails because he controls the email congrats on reaching season 10 thank you i should probably apologize for giving your hopes up on season 9 ah so it was your fault to avoid making that same mistake i'll say that season 10 of arthur sure is a 10 episode season of the children's show arthur good Very placid, very middle of the road. I like it. No expectations. It also sure does include episodes such as Operation DW, The Squirrels, What's Cooking, Binky vs. Binky, and other episodes that are indeed part of the Arthur television series. I'm sure you'll think these episodes are animated pieces of content. In all seriousness, you asked the viewers to give our favorite episodes of the season. Uh, So at number five, he's got Buster the Mythmaker. Number four, Lights, Camera, Opera. Number three, Breezy Listening Blues. Number two, The Law of the Jungle Gym. Hmm, A bit higher than me, but I think, Lucas, that was on your top five. Mm -hmm, For sure. A couple of honorable mentions. Francine's Big Top. 
It came from beyond, and Arthur makes waves. And number one, tipping the scales. I love a good team story where we see our cast train for the grand event, growing as better people in the process, and this episode scratches that itch. It also benefits from the return, the returning Dr. Fugue and the development of the children experience under him, making it my number one for the season. Okay, I was confusing it with the one. I was confusing it with Arthur Ways In. So, ah, uh, yes, I like that one too. Uh, one more thing in celebration of reaching season 10, I'd like for both of you to list your top 10 favorite Arthur episodes uh okay Ooh. maybe some we we need to we need to really think about that one that you know uh, what that might be fun uh, to do at the end of this season maybe 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 we can, yeah we can uh, we we can we can add that to the season 10 recap episodes one through nine uh grandpa dave's country farm uh <laughs> and then episode the number 10 is uh the family reunion episode we talk about every single episode with cousin mo right and that's basically that's the list <laughs> I just get the feeling that it's going to be a lot of season one episodes for me, at least, because I'm of because I'm an old man. Stay safe in Black Lives Matter from Line Dogs XA. Let's go now to another one of our patrons. And of course, you don't have to be a patron to email, but we do appreciate hearing from all sides. Hello, Will and Lucas uh, from Christine. I gasped out loud when I heard Will mention butter sandwiches in the last podcast. <laughs> I totally thought it was something only my mom did. My mom would also make me butter sandwiches, but I remember quite distinctively. Two slices of Wonder Bread with the crust cut off with butter and sugar in the middle. I've heard of this. I've I heard can... of this. See, that's. I think I even talked about this when you were bringing up the butter sandwiches, that I, I've heard of people adding sugar, and then it's more of like a dessert flair. I could not tell you the last time I had one, and low-key cringe just thinking about it. It's weird how our tastes evolve as we grow up. When I was young, I remember sitting at the dinner table as my mom made salad rolls, and I snacked on the rice paper. These days, the taste and texture of rice paper isn't very appealing to me, and I can't believe I used to eat it plain. So, Lucas, I did actually see my mother recently. Okay, I was going to I was gonna ask, did you remember? Because this was two I weeks did. ago for, for the listeners that missed... The episode where we talked about Will's, uh, dare I say, mistreatment as a child and and being uh, (laughs) force-fed butter sandwiches. The big question was, were they even butter sandwiches at all? Or were they actually margarine sandwiches? (laughs) You know, but... So I set set this up for my mother to kind of give give me an out. Because, of course, (laughs) parents lie to their kids all the time and there's no cap on that. There's no age cap on that. Yo, parents be lying to their kids. No cap. (laughs) So I said, it had to have been margarine, right? You made it with margarine, right? And she looked at me and she said, sometimes. <laughs> Other times, I think I just use butter. So uh, That's so much worse than just answering one or the other. Just keep you on your toes. <laughs> As I play my stomach there, uh, it all begins to come together. Uh, the turkey was I, the turkey was fattened uh, from a young age. I hope I get the butter sandwich today. I don't want the margarine sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so I did answer your question, and it was a little bit shocking, if I can be honest. And then sometimes you got base cell seventy thirty. Like who knows? <laughs> what is that? Base cell seventy thirty is seventy percent uh, margarine. Wait, seventy percent butter, thirty percent margarine. Now I gotta. Now I gotta look. Oh, this but up. it's but it's a mixture. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm, it's I'm a combination. Familiar. I see. Just not not totally familiar with it. 
Uh, Christine continues. Also reminiscing about school lunches brought back a particularly interesting memory where my mom actually got in trouble because of what she packed me for lunch. She got called into a meeting with my first grade teacher and was lectured about nutritionally balanced meals because my teacher had seen me eating a slice of cake the size of a $5 bill for lunch and nothing else. Uh, I actually recently asked my mom about this and her only explanation was that school in Vietnam is a lot different than school in Canada. Like I don't think either one of my parents ever packed a lunch when they were in school. They would either eat what the school provided or order lunch from a street vendor. I feel like when you're a child of an immigrant, there's some underlying frustration in learning about Western culture in tandem with your parents, as opposed to just being able to mirror the actions of your parents. Do either of you have any memorable school lunches? Uh, Probably the most memorable for me is at my elementary school, I think it was grade three and onward, we got to do pizza orders. Okay, so... Yeah, I too had the pizza program at my elementary school. Were yours in partnership with Little Caesars? They were. Pizza. Okay, so you you were getting that Little Caesars pizza. pizza. Um, yeah, same here, same here. And that was a fond memory. There was the Milk Club. There was the Cookie Club. Do you remember all those things? I don't think we had those. Oh, in particular. Okay. The milk club's weird. It's like you're eating a full meal. You're eating pizza and milk at 10 a.m., like 10, 15 yeah, a.m. No. What's going on with that? They 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 want to give the janitor something to think about over the weekend. <laughs> oh, God. Milk and cookie club <laughs> for, for life. <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, I my parents, like... Uh, I, my memory of being a child, this is going to sound really bad, but it's, it's, it's not what it sounds like, but my memories of being a a little kid in elementary school was just being hungry all the time. Not because, not because my parents were making me go hungry or anything. I was well fed. It's just that like, I would have like a healthy sandwich and like, you know, some carrots and some dip or whatever. And I would always just be desperate to trade my meal for like chippies, uh, but I would never get any chippies. <laughs> you're you're a little jughead boy. You always wanted to to eat everything. Yeah, exactly. But no, I just got to eat my healthy sandwich, my uh, my yogurt. Oh, I so uh, like my mom always packed me a sandwich, a juice box, and then like we would cycle in and out of desserts. So like all of the fruit roll ups, fruit by the foot, so mm. delicious. All was, those gummy candies, gushers was never allowed. Dunkaroos. Had to trade off. Had to trade off to get. I I, I was that kid. Be like, can I have a gusher, please? What would you What would you trade for him if if you didn't have Acts something of, of equal or greater sweet? No, I don't remember. I think it was just like sheer annoying, like just being as annoying as possible. Ah, yes. To get people Classic. to the, It's the same way you would get to play the Game Boy Advance whenever there was a field trip and some kid brought their Game Boy Advance. Be like, can I got to try? Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, you know what? That totally tracks. I, I totally see that. Uh, to connect this to a point Lucas made in the latest episode, when my mom got in trouble with my teacher, she would have been pretty close to my age. I can totally sympathize with her when I imagine my already exhausted self having a six-year-old who will only eat white foods, giving up after trying to negotiate and just packing a slice of grocery store cake into her lunchbox. Oh, children are wonderful, aren't they? Uh... Sorry if this is kind of long. It's just been forever since I've been outside and gotten any social interaction from people I don't live with. Uh, Me, too. So that one's from Christine. Very good. I liked that. 
A uh, quick one here from Blake. Besides Arthur, what other animated series or anime do you watch right now? Also, has Will seen Over the Garden Wall? Well, if you're a patron on patreon.com slash Limits, you might very well know that I did watch Over the Garden Wall when I was sick two years ago, and there is a podcast where I give my full thoughts on it, so I would direct you over there. Other than that, uh, right now, I have Disney Plus for a spell, so I've been watching Gravity Falls. Oh, Gravity Falls is wonderful. Yeah, it is pretty good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm only about like 10 episodes in, so I need to keep going. I've dropped off a little bit, but that's about it for... I'm actually listening to... uh, I'm uh, on the What a Cartoon uh, Patreon, so I've been listening to a lot of their What a Cartoon Movie podcast. Very good. Highly recommended. What about you, Lucas? Uh, I, I watched the first couple episodes of The Midnight Gospel, that new uh, Netflix series from the Adventure Time guy, which is like, they like animate narratives around like this these podcast conversations. It's, it's pretty interesting, um, but I, I too have kind of not kept up with it and have fallen behind a little bit. Um, in terms of anime, you know, we have, I have my weekly, uh, uh, over the discord anime club. And with that, we're watching, uh, initial D and, uh, super dimensional fortress Macross and Utena, uh, and, uh, city hunter and captain Harlock. And, and this week we're going to be watching dirty pair for the first time. So I, I hadn't seen any of those shows before and I'm really enjoying watching all of those. Um, and then I've been watching a little bit of uh, a little show called Todd McFarlane's Spot. Uh, oh, all right. Which is just so great. It's so good. <laughs> uh, no one had told me that every episode starts with a live action uh, clip of Todd McFarlane like, drawing in some sort oh, of castle. The, the, the best. I, oh, I, I love it. I cannot believe that you know that that had to be in his contract or something. I cannot believe they let that air on television because it's probably what would you do, one of the. What would you? Do, what would you do if uh, <laughs> your uh, your girlfriend cheated on you? Hi, I'm I'm Todd McFarlane, I, the creator of Spawn. Hey, I'm Todd. And, I, uh, I'm Todd McFarlane, creator of Spawn. What would you do if you were clutching to your uh, clutching to your mortal coil and you had to look at the infinite <laughs> darkness and you heard a voice call out that you could have eternal life? Quick, think fast. If you had to make the same decisions, <laughs> like it's it's in heaven and hell, black black and white, two sides of the same. <laughs> Dude, Canadian legend. Can I just say? Of course. A, 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 a magnanimous, just Canadian. We do not talk about where's Todd McFarlane's Canadian history moment, where he gets his, his own comic cover. Yeah, those videos are incredible. But the show's actually, those aside, the show's actually like very, very good. Some of like the best voice acting I've seen in like an adult animated show like ever. But oh, sure, that, it's, that, it's that, like it's like Keith David yeah, and it's, it's uh, and company. Well, it's all these like HBO actors that were on other shows at the time. But um, mm. yeah, those for any any of our listeners, uh, they're all on YouTube. Please look up the intros. Right? <laughs> if if you had to become uh, Satan's favorite demon, uh, what <laughs> you, what what choice would you make if you were cripping to? <laughs> yeah, it's so good. You ever cheated on a test? <laughs> you ever uh, you, you ever you ever slept you ever slept with a coworker? You ever done that? I'm Tom McFarlane, and welcome to Spawn. 
Oh my god! Uh, it's e- it's even better than that if you could, if you could believe it. Um, I, I kind like of honestly asshole. Like he's like, <laughs> he's like drawing like he's like drawing the Spock comics, but he's in like a he wanted, warehouse. He wanted to he wanted to be he wanted to be the Rod Serling character so bad. <laughs> Oh my god. Um it's it's very funny. Um yeah, those are those are absolutely on YouTube. I've found those before. Uh the show itself I'm a little bit in in the middle on. I think that some of the animations are very good, the voice acting's very good, but uh yeah, didn't do a whole lot for me. Spawn itself is a little bit dated. It's I what I was thinking of is I would love a Canadian heritage commercial for Tom McFarlane, but it's like one of the ones that is like uh in French. Oh, interesting. For for like no reason, he's not French, but just it's just I don't know, just make it funny, just like Dodd McFarlane published Spawn in nineteen ninety three. <laughs> it was good for about a hundred issues, and then it kept going. <laughs> anyway, I kid, I kid. If if you like Spawn, it's all good. Ah, uh, okay. So we have we have one more email here from anonymous. Very rare we get an anonymous email, but uh. This one is a bit of an answer to something that I believe we got this email maybe a season or two ago, and it's high time. Uh, Arthur's special idea. If Arthur needs to do a two-hour special, they should make their own version of Hamilton. Okay, interesting. So, And this anonymous person has the cast ready to go. Lucas, it's time to evaluate. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's hear it. So Arthur's Hamilton, of course. Okay, yeah. He reads. He He do be reading. Binky is Aaron Burr because Binky punched Arthur and Aaron Burr shot Hamilton. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess Binky's kind of a conflicted, you know, there's a lot of internal strife with Binky. I could see that. I want Bruce Dinsmore to sing Wait For It. That's what I want to do. <laughs> I should see if he's on Cameo or something. Uh, Mr. Ratburn equals Washington. George Washington was Hamilton's mentor when he was Washington's right-hand man. They have a Yoda-Luke relationship. Okay, yeah, I could see that. Uh, Brain equals Jefferson. Uh, hmm, Brain? I feel like Francine's Thomas Jefferson. Okay, the Francine's coming up. Has it, hasn't Buster Francine is... literally played Thomas Jefferson on Arthur before? <laughs> she has, in fact. She, she's filled out the role before. Uh, Buster equals John Lawrence, one of Hamilton's friends. There's even a video saying that Lawrence and Hamilton are gay. So there you go. There's that, there's that uh, side to it as well. Francine, Muffy, and Sue Ellen, the Schuyler sisters... Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, we've got Ed Crosswire as Philip Schuyler. There's literally a quote in Hamilton that says, the man is loaded, so I don't think that needs any explanation, though he wouldn't be selling cars in colonial America. Maybe selling, like, cannons or something. Horses and carriages, Ho- perhaps. Horses, there it is. Why did I think of cannons instead of horses? What's the matter with me? Uh, Rattles equals King George Third. He is portrayed as an antagonist in the series, like how George III is one of the antagonists in Hamilton. I Again, I think I'd just like to hear Rattles' voice actor sing You'll Be Back. <laughs> uh, Emily equals Lafayette. Sorry, she's the only French person I know of in Arthur. Uh, I couldn't think of anyone for DW. Maybe she can be a heckler for the different songs. I, I also want to clarify it... that Emily herself is not French. Uh, she just has a French nanny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course and of course if they ever make a hamilton arthur crossover lin-manuel miranda needs to guest star and play piano with arthur i mean that needs to happen anyway so uh well there you go a uh, hamilton fan cast for you one of one i'm sure of many 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think now what other musicals Arthur like we could we could slap all the Arthur characters on. What, what's Arthur oh. Les Mis look like? Oh, endless, I'm sure. Um, well, Ratburn's got to be Javert. Yeah, because Ar- I want it because I I want to hear Arthur Holden do Javert. I uh, don't know the characters' names very well, so forgive me. But I, I would think Arthur would be the Eddie Redmayne character. You know what I mean? And, oh yes. Uh, uh, Sue Allen would be the one that has the crush on him, but like Muffy or Francine would be the the uh, Amanda, whatever her name is, character instead. Amanda Seyfried. Amanda yeah. Seyfried. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Haney, um, and uh, that other teacher that like freaks out all the time would be uh, those two people that run that that inn. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm into it. Uh, and that's all I got right now. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for your emails. Some very interesting ones this week. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com if you want to add to the interest. And uh, adding to the interest in our lives for sure because they allow us to create the For the Kids podcast, a podcast about PBS Kids. In fact, we just did an episode on Wishbone. If you'd like to hear that, you could be one of these patrons. There's Aaron DeFilippo and Andrew Power, Caitlin Harrington Robinson. Ah, Caitlin, I see you've got a joint last name now. Shander Lefave Boten, Christine Lascody, Christine Wong, Sierra S, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, EJ Acra, Emily K, Froppy, Greg Hagai, Ian Collis, Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John Dulong, John Griswold, Josias Melendez, Kat, Kaylin Krogall, Kevin Noon, Kristen, Leanne S, Light Relentless, Lily Warden, Lion Dog ZXA, you heard from him earlier, Macy Ball, Marlo Stanfield, Matt, Melissa Avales, Michaela Gibson, Pretty Cool Stairs, Rachel Pearson, Riley Stevens, Shayna Bennett, Shelby Eden, Dawkins Law, Stella Teresa, William, and Yoshi. Okay, it's high time for an Arthur episode, and like you mentioned, Lucas, it's all about the squirrels, this one. Yeah, I'm going squirrely, Will. Let's get into it. Yeah, for real, though. Uh, so, of course, the first thing that I think of is the birds, but we don't don't quite start there. We, you know, use a gentle hand. Tis a gentle hand will rule the land. Uh, Arthur is woken up in the middle of the night by DW, who is urging him to start the cold open. I feel like it's been forever since Arthur's done the cold open. Yeah, this was just a classic fourth wall breaking Ferris Bueller style cold open. They're like acknowledging it in the the uh, the episode itself that it is like hey okay start the show Arthur um, classic like DW like screaming at Arthur which is kind of a, a homage to the actual title card itself right where where um, there's one where someone's got like a blow horn right yes yeah. definitely um, and yeah just the imagery of like we get this weird like under DW's chin shot of her with the blow horn and then there's just like all these great lines throughout this so basically Arthur's talking about how it's a fine, it's kind of a weird concept. Uh, it's a fine line between what's scary and what's not scary. And so uh, you're presented with all these situations where they either are initially harmless or initially scary, and then they are kind of turned on their head. Uh, so first, like, Arthur has, like, a jack-o'-lantern, and he's, like, scary. And then he puts, like, you know, the funny face glasses on it, and then he's, like, not scary. We get a great line from DW where she says, uh, Mom, Arthur's playing with his food. Uh, which describing someone using a jack-o'-lantern as playing with food is, like, very funny to me for some reason. Um, sure. And then aliens arrive, uh, and which Arthur describes as scary, but he puts salt on it, and it shrinks into a uh, tiny alien that chirps like a squirrel. 
Um, yeah, that was a weird to, one. To which, uh, then uh, a little bit of foreshadowing there, uh, to which DW has another really good line where she says, Mom, Arthur's being mean to aliens. Yeah, DW seemed really just out for Arthur in this cold open. The alien one was a little strange, but it kind of fits in with the, I guess, more horror-like elements of the episode. Horror in quotation marks. So yeah, all about things that's, that uh, seem scary that aren't, and vice versa. Which is kind of where we start. Arthur and Buster having a sleepover at Buster's place, and Bitsy has recommended they watch a uh, movie that she watched when she was young called The Squirrels. Let me tell you something, Will, uh, right here, a little bit of quarantine yearning, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, remember remember watching horror, horror movies with the homies? Sleepovers with the boys? Sleepovers with the boys? <sighs> oh, well. Oh. I know it, it it hurts, but what am I talking man, about? I have a roommate. Will we watched the Five Bloods together last night? <laughs> like, oh okay. Yeah, so I guess Th- I, 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 the- I I I've never really stopped. I'm currently at an endless sleepover with the Hobleys, but you know what I mean. And you know what? That's that's what marriage is—an endless sleepover with the Hobleys. Aw, how pure. <laughs> say the squirrels which is a, of course an obvious reference to alfred hitchcock's the birds uh there's a couple of visual homages in the actual movie that they watch which is uh which is fun if you've seen the actual movie right down to like the playground scene where they are on the, the like the monkey bars and stuff like that uh, the ending shot which is the exact same as the birds i thought that was very good uh but the whole thing is that arthur and buster are like you know literally laughing bitsy's face because she says like this movie scared me to death when i was uh, when i was your age and they're just like it's about squirrels what could possibly go wrong here and we don't see exactly but it kind of sounds like a bit of a violent affair like you kind of hear people going like ah and like kind of being attacked by squirrels and you're just like okay i know what's happening there that's a little intense so the mark of any great fake movie in a piece of fiction is that you kind of want it to be real and you would like to see it right like whenever you see a movie described in a show uh sometimes it just sounds stupid or it's just like an obvious parody but it's really interesting when it is like oh i wish this was real for instance uh, who could forget the number one, uh, I think it wins the Oscars in, in Arthur every single year, 5,000 explosions in a supernova. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, w- I want to know more. W- where are these explosions coming from? What's going to happen with the supernova? You've piqued my interest. The kids seem to really like it. Uh, this is the same thing with the, the squirrels. This movie seems awesome. This movie seems so great. Well, if it's anything close to the, like, the, the movie it's a parody of, uh, then yeah, I'm game to check it out. I'm also interested in, so they're watching it off of TV, so when they stop the movie, we get like a, coming up next for your late night movie, it's Loser High! And it's like, sounds like a high, like a high school romp kind of a thing. Ooh, I wonder what's... So I want to, I want to watch Loser High. I too want to watch Loser High. Do you have a favorite, Could before be... we move on, do we have, do you have a favorite, like, high school movie, Will? I know that's Got it. you on the spot. I'm a, I'm a bit of a basic boy. It's got to be The Breakfast Club. Ooh. I just watched that over the weekend again. I love The Breakfast Club. Hmm. Ferris Bueller, too. Two of my favorite oh, Ferris movies. Ferris Bueller's really good. Uh, I have an affinity for Clueless. I love Clueless. 
Oh, Clueless is really good too. Clueless is one of my favorite movies of all time. Though I just watched, uh, I made a Letterboxd, by the way. If any of the Elwood City listeners want to follow me on Letterboxd, I post little. Oh, yeah. Every time I've been watching a movie in 2020, I've just been posting like a couple sentence funny little review of it. So it's just been good to keep track. Uh, so it's, I, I post it on my Twitter, but it's, I think, Lucha Deer Jr. So uh, L U C H D E E R J R on, on Letterboxd. Um, but I watched uh, Risky Business for the first time this year and absolutely loved it. I love, love, love that movie. So uh, I wonder what I, score I, I would be giving the squirrels. I forgot that I follow you on uh, on on uh, Letterboxd. I had to check myself. If you want to follow me on Letterboxd, it's William Y. It's just W-I-L-L-I-A-M-W-H-Y. Uh, I haven't used it in a while. I kind of keep forgetting I have it, so I need to I need to be better about that. But I do have a couple of lists about Christopher Nolan and uh, and uh, the Coen Brothers because I am W H I T E. So the, of course the the boys are spooked by this. They're enthralled but spooked, and they can't stop being scared of the squirrels. In fact, the next morning when Arthur's on his way back home. By the way, did you did you see the rollers on Bitsy? Yes. Bitsy's got the perm going on. That's going to be a tough dude to manage. Um, So Arthur is, of course, petrified of squirrels on the way back home. Buster sees a squirrel in the backyard as he's doing dishes, and it keeps getting, like, closer and closer. He, like, draws the curtains, and then it's even closer. It's right next to the window, and he's freaked out. So this whole sequence is probably one of the biggest highlights of the episode for me, and I'm not sure if this was just me paying attention to it more or what, but this episode has some really, like, cinematic and creative framing for the ways they're setting up these scenes because they're trying to build tension. You know, it's it, and the, the writers kind of put themselves in a difficult position where it's like, you have to make the audience kind of empathize with Buster and Arthur, like, freaking out over, which is essentially nothing, squirrels in broad daylight. But to do this, they end up using, like, actual effective cinematic techniques with like framing like this shot of buster doing the dishes you know the camera's really wide out and it's like at a dutch angle so it's kind of off kilter you're like what's going on here why is this so strange we get all these weird like zooms and um just the framing of everything is really really well done and it's like uh, the way it plays with perspective, you know, the environments look like really big around the characters. There's all these low angles and stuff. It's done to kind of make you uneasy. And I was like, this is a really, you know, the term isn't well shot, but this is like a really well composed Arthur episode. Uh, I don't usually, like, sometimes we'll notice if the animation gets better or worse, but we don't really talk about the framing all that much in Arthur. So this was something that I, I really, really enjoyed. Something I feel a bit under-equipped, but clearly you have a much keener eye than I do towards that sort of thing. By the way, five stars for Risky Business. That I, I good, loved eh? Risky I was really surprised because I thought it was going to be like a uh, like a, like a goofy John Hughes movie. And that movie's like weirdly dark. Uh, and the Tangerine mm. Dream soundtrack... Uh, it's it's like it it does really it has really interesting things to say about class. I don't know. I like that movie a lot. Underrated. So okay, people just know it the, for the dancing see, part. See more on Lucha Deer Junior on uh, Letterboxd. Uh, so yeah, the the phenomenon here is that everybody tuned in to see the squirrels on during the weekend. And everybody kind of is slowly testing it out. And what I mean, every, when I say everybody, I mean like the main cast of Arthur. They're outside and being like, hey, did you guys watch the squirrels on the weekend? And like, yeah, why? Just like, were you scared? Just like, no. And everybody's kind of like laughing about it. Like, ha ha, ridiculous. But then everybody sees squirrels and they 
run inside the school, which I just I found that very interesting. The phenomenon of kids being scared and not admitting to it in like a large group. No, I, I thought this was great. Like I loved everyone being so obviously in denial that they were all equally scared. I wonder what channel, you know, this is something kind of to be, you don't really sit down and watch movies on, on TV anymore. This is kind of a bygone thing. Um, did you ever have like Showcase or like HBO, Will? You stay up, watch a movie, usually like R-rated that you weren't supposed to or something like that? Uh, there was like Showtime. Yeah. But yeah, every once in a while, like it would be late enough that you would get an uncensored movie on uh Oh, I don't know. One, you know, one of the channels that's around the horn. Maybe one of the American yeah, channels yeah, or something yeah. like that. The Space Channel. No. I remember Space Ooh. Channel used to play anim- anime on Friday nights. Hell yes. No, but yeah, it's kind of a bygone thing. So this was fun to watch all the kids like gather and be like, did you watch that crazy movie that was on TV last night? Uh, imagine, yeah, imagine if yeah. they were like, did you guys see that like superhero cartoon where this guy with like this Canadian accent was in a, he was in a dungeon and he was asking us all these questions about what we would do if we were in those situations. <laughs> what would you, what would you do if there was, see now it's getting into like Kermit territory. I've lost the voice a little bit, but it's like, it, it's very, it like it bore, it borders yeah. on there. It's, he's not even that Kermit E. <laughs> it's just like, that's the easiest kind of, it's like when I do Dan Reichert from who used to be with Giant Bomb. Oh, yeah. It's just like, it borders on Kermit at all times. If, if there were squirrels coming towards you and they looked like they were going to tear you to shreds, would you run? Would you stay still? Would you call out to the darkness? Quick, quick, ask yourself this. What would you, Spawn didn't, Spawn didn't have a choice. <laughs> what would you, Hi, I'm Todd McFarlane. Welcome to Spawn. What? what would you do? <laughs> what would you do if you saw a scary movie and couldn't admit to it in front of your friends? Would you stand? Would you stand up and be brave? <laughs> Spawn got scared by a movie once. It, Let's see how he does. It's, it's not just the voice. It's that like he delivers it in such a like nod. Like he just keeps talking. There's no pauses. It's, like it's so stilted and weird. <laughs> Like again, no like real, no real shade to Todd. It's just he's not charismatic. Oh no! Like no the, shade the, intended. The pe- I uh, listen, Todd. You're looking at Todd McFarlane, Defender Number One, over here in Radioland. I, I'll, 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 I'll. Uh, that's my hell to die on any day of the week. But you're right. <laughs> He's he's no Rod Serling. He's no the Crypt Keeper. So it oh, it God takes no. a certain a certain person to kind of really make those pop. So yeah, we we are seeing everybody being freaked out by squirrels at every turn. And Arthur happens to come across a children's show that DW is watching that does involve squirrels. And it's like, but it's like people dressed as squirrels and like squirrel costume. And it's a very kitty. It's a very blatant Teletubby ripoff. It's just like squirrels with the with the things on their head and all that kind of stuff. And he's just like, oh, wait a second, these squirrels aren't scary. Which really, well, maybe this will help me not be scared. Which really speaks to the Love Ducks. Uh, excuse me, the Love Ducks. Really speaks to Teletubbies as an instit- children's TV institution. Because what season was the Love Ducks episode in? I'd say two or three. Season two or three. So we're almost 10 years of Teletubbies parodies on Arthur. You'd think they would have found a new point of reference by now. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting how they decided to go with go with this and, like, make fun of the Teletubbies this way. You know, by 2006, you had other kitty shows that you could kind of poke fun at that you also own. But, uh, yeah, it's like Timmy, the friendliest squirrel in the world. These are videos that... Arthur finds at the video store and is renting so that he can like make him like make himself not afraid of squirrels anymore. It turns out a lot of kids have that same idea that they can kind of find this way different ways 
to beat their fear of squirrels and also to write a report on it for homework. Uh, uh, by the way, went- uh, throwaway character of the week is, of course, the nerdy video store clerk who uh, comments that they've lost all their uh, squirrel uh, tapes for the weekend because all the kids around town have been renting them. Yeah, it's a big it's a big shout out to like when this guy's just like, ah, the the Skippy squirrel thing. And just like, all right, quiet. Nobody, not everybody needs to know. It's it, the same as like, do we have a copy of the Love Duck yes, CD exactly. for this boy? <laughs> like that happened to me when I rented the first Twilight movie when I was like 18. And like the the guy at the at the former uh, local uh, establishment video difference is like Twilight. And I'm like, shh. Shut up. Wow, that guy really no, ate it, his I, words now. The RPAT Renaissance, uh, uh, he's he's probably um, feeling embarrassed, Will, about how he embarrassed you there with the RPAT Renaissance. He's, he's hotter than he's ever been. Exactly. Uh, so everybody does their weekend report on the squirrel stuff that they watched, uh, these like kitty cartoons. And Mr. Ratburn says that they have gone above and beyond the homework call of duty which I thought was a funny way to, to phrase that. So Mr. Ratburn is, of course, very pleased. It's, it's weird to see him so pleased about people doing homework. It's just doesn't something not to write about it. But he does a... He intuits that everybody has seen the squirrels thing over the weekend. And, of course, the running joke throughout this episode is that um, everybody saw the squirrels and is scared of it, except for Binky. He did not see the movie. Uh, so he's just like, I didn't see the squirrels. What's a big deal? So Mr. Ratburn gives him a slideshow about squirrels, which includes real pictures So the animal hierarchy is now blown to smithereens. Because not only do we have funny <laughs> animals and regular animals, now Mr. Ratburn shows slides of live action animals, and I don't even know what to think, Will. This is, like, truly shocking. Have we ever seen um, live action footage in Arthur outside of a word from us kids? Yeah, I I feel oh oh, oh, oh the, uh, the for Buster of course, but yeah, uh, the episode where they were watching Nova that was real. Footage. Oh right, I forgot about that. <laughs> That's funny. the pr- prove it. It was called yeah, prove it. Yeah. That was the episode. I forgot about the episode where they watched Nova. That's funny. Um, but yeah, Animal Hierarchy blown to smithereens. It's funny. Another show that I've been watching. Um, we talked about this earlier. Initial D. There's a part in Initial D. Where they're like drifting cars? What do you mean? And then all the characters gather around a TV and they just watch live action footage of someone drifting in a Supra. Not bad. Uh, deja vu. And uh, <laughs> the uh, so this I felt whoa this line right here. So th- the kids go outside afterwards. They're just like wow, what a great presentation. I'm not scared of squirrels anymore. Of course, everybody still is, except for Binky. And he's like, what is going on here? So Arthur calls Buster at home, and Arthur says. Let's face it, we're both scared of going outside right now. I know, and this was like, again, yeah, art imitates life, right? I was like, oi, ay, ay. So Arthur decides to do a little bit of, uh, what, what is it called? Exposure therapy. So they're going to feed some nuts to squirrels and, as you know, get them gradually closer. And just by getting closer to them, they'll see that they're not scary at all and they'll be cured. So they do that a little bit. They kind of give a squirrel uh, a nut and then another one. But then, horror of horrors, they are chased by, sev- like, a group of squirrels. And they're chased even so much, like, they accidentally knock the nuts out of their bag. And the squirrels come in the front, like, the the landing of the house. And I'm like, this is a nightmare. Squirrels in the house. 
No, thank you. Yeah, this whole situation, at this point, I was like, this episode's crazy. Because I thought the moral of the story was like, okay, squirrels are nothing to be feared. Uh, But the the fact that the squirrels are invading their home, quick story. Um, So in my line of work, uh, one of my, not really my coworker, but it's a guy in the same industry. And and we were talking about, he was telling me this insane story uh, where... He, there was like squirrel traps at his house or like some sort of mouse trap at his house, but like a squirrel got caught in it, but it's like a, it's like a cage or something. So it's like you take it to another area or something like that. Anyway, there's a squirrel in this cage. He's got to transport it. So he puts it in his car, goes over a speed bump, gets out of the cage. The squirrel is running around in the inside of his car. He gets in a car accident. He like tries to swat at the squirrel. He like goes off the side of the road into a ditch. He was fine. Ugh. He totaled his car. Um, but, uh, that, this kind of squirrel hijinks, it just doesn't happen to me this often. So I was surprised to see, uh, the squirrels enter Buster and and Arthur's place. You'd think they'd be like too scared or something to follow them in there. Yeah. And in the confusion that, you know, that mom manages to shoot most of them out, Arthur and Buster slam the door. Uh, one of the squirrels gets hurt. And uh, we don't really see how. I'm guessing, like, maybe one of the guys landed on it or something. And they have to take it to a, like, specialty uh, animal hospital um, where they kind of fix up fix up the leg. And the guy, the veterinarian or the animal worker says that, um, you know, every time that movie comes on, the squirrels, then we get a whole bunch of people who are afraid of them. But really, when you get up close to them... They're they're not that bad. They're more afraid of you know they're more afraid of us than we are of them, sort of thing. So Arthur gets the idea to bring the squirrel in its in its cage from the animal hospital into class and to show it everybody up everybody to it up close. And well, you know once they get up close, it's like huh you know it's actually kind of cute, and uh, and they get to learn uh, first firsthand. There's a joke here about Binky sees, like, the squirrels on video and, like, finally watches it. And then somebody makes reference to the birds. And I was like, well, wait a second. The birds exist in Arthur? Does Alfred Hitchcock exist in Arthur? Yeah, so the, also, so, like, did the director, was there a lawsuit between the people who directed the birds and the people who directed the squirrels? Like, yeah, is the squirrels a parody? So PBS is an Arthur. Uh, yes. Uh, the show Nova is an Arthur. Uh-huh. Um, Jeopardy. No, sorry. Jeopardy's no, not. No, no, uh, Jeopardy. Uh, but the Backstreet Boys, yes. Matt yes. Damon, yes. <laughs> Neil Gaiman, yes. yes. Alfred Hitchcock. M- maybe? maybe? Mao. Chairman Mao. <laughs> Chairman the, the Chinese Mao. Cultural Revolution did, in fact, take place in Arthur. Uh, but, so that, yes. Alfred Hitchcock, still question mark. Uh, yeah, and B- so now Binky is afraid of squirrels after seeing the video, and everybody else is pretty much cured after kind of getting a closer look at the thing they were so afraid of. Can I also just say, Mr. Rappard okayed the bringing the squirrel into class? Like, he included that in his daily lesson plan for the day? Like, it seems like it's the start of class where they're bringing out the squirrel in the cage. It seems, he thinks a little disruptive to your learning day, huh? It, well, we've seen before that Mr. that Mr. Ratburn is uh, open to open to adaptation. Like all the times that the kids are like, "Can I do my report outside?" and he's like, "Yeah, right." Like he he's he's very good at going with the flow. It seems. Mm-hmm. So I think he saw a, a a teaching a teachable moment, a teachable opportunity. All right, before we get into the next part of our episode, we're gonna take a quick break here, and we will be right back. 
Hey everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast, and if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You could go to facebook.com slash elwoodcitylimits, at ECL podcast, that's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr. It's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new a bi-weekly PBS Kids Review Show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review. You can check out patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post it from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. Lucas. You hear that? Are you starting a fire? Are you perhaps... It it feels like it. I'm rubbing my hands together because I'm so excited we're talking about Fern and Persimmony Glitchit. As, As you know, I think... I think... You know, if we're doing if we're doing the uh, the um, the the metal tiers, we've got uh, gold. We've got Binky episodes getting the gold. Yeah, I'd like to think that Fern episodes are at least a silver. Sterling, and maybe, Sterling silver for sure. And then maybe George episodes for the bronze. Perhaps George Buster. Buster. It's, it's kind of an all out brawl for the bronze. Yeah, uh, but. But yeah, seeing this, I was really excited. Fern is right in the middle of the thing. She even gets her own title card. This, uh, so I was, I was very excited about this. It starts off with fairy tales and Fern asking the question, "What if fairy tales were nicer?" So we get the example <laughs> this of this whole the. Yeah, so the the whole conceit of this is just like, okay, like Little Red Riding Hood, no wolf, you know, Jack of the Beanstalk, no giant, which is like, the thing Ferd is proposing is, is it reminds me of that scene in Adaptation, where like, Nicolas Cage is like, what if someone wrote a movie where nothing happened and there was no problems? And the guy like starts screaming at him at the movie writing workshop, and he's like, every day, someone makes the decision to destroy someone else. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. do. I've, I've, I know what you're talking about. Um, I found it. I found this interesting. I actually kind of it kind of spoke to a childhood version of myself. Uh, yeah, the exa- the example I was going to say is that uh, Muffy is Cinderella and Francine's her evil s- stepmother, which I found interesting. It's not often we see Muffy in the servant role. Uh, usually, it is the other way around. I, as a kid, I was the type of person who I was. I was. I was a soft boy. Still am, but you know. Uh, just a bigger soft boy, um, where I didn't want people in stories to have problems at all. Like, I would be happy if everybody got along and everybody was nice. But, of course, that's not how good stories are made. And that's kind of our lead-in to the episode. Like I said, Fern getting her own title card, very happy about it. So this 
epi- this story is all based around the book series in Arthur called A Series of Horrendously Horrible Happenings, which, Lucas, if you're aware, it's a parody of another popular book series, A Series of Unfortunate Events. And so I was really surprised because we're in 2006 at Arthur Wright. Uh, I thought A Series of Unfortunate Events was way later in the 2000s, but I guess not. As a matter of fact, this year that this episode is airing, 2006, was when the very last book in the series came out. Whoa! Oh my goodness. So when did it start? I want to say that was the Look at this late, nine, late 90s. Really? I should, I, should have, I should have looked it up. 1999. Oh yeah, 99. So yeah, it's, it's, it, it, was, it started a bit earlier than you think, and has managed to stay fairly relevant thanks to stuff like the Netflix adaptation that's only a year or two old. Uh, so yes, if you've if you've never heard of this, it is a uh, a series of books for uh, children and young adults. A series of unfortunate events written by Lemony Snicket, whose uh, author uh, parody in this episode is Persimmony Glitchit. And the <laughs> I, I liked this because it was funny picking out which parts is the of the Arthur parody, like how close do they get? So for example. In the real book series, the children are called the Baudelaire's, and their name is based off of a French poet named Baudelaire. In the Arthur universe, they're called the Bronte children, based off uh, English poet Charlotte Bronte. Oh my goodness, that's so creative! Uh, And the villain that they keep referring to when they go talk about the book series uh, in Arthur is called Count Vlad is called Duke Vladimir in real life Count Olaf. So they get them pretty close while not doing like, you know, a paper thin parody such as it is. Uh, But as well, I haven't read any of these books. So I'm wondering, no, I never did. I'm wondering how close this is for, for people who have read the book series. How close did Arthur get to capturing the feel of the series? So I I read like the first three or four when I was a kid. Um, the whole sequence with like the magician on the stage that's like straight out of one of the books. I vaguely remember this. This is it's been so long since I uh, uh, read these. The shark one I don't remember. Um, let's see. I'm trying to. There's yeah. Because uh, each book's like a, a kind of a different, uh, uh, a completely different situation these poor orphans find themselves in, right? There, there's one book where they're like living in this house that's like falling off a cliff with this like really neurotic lady. Um, I, it's hard for me to remember, but the the one where the, the guy's doing magic on stage is straight out of the books. Gotcha. Yeah, see, this is all beyond me. I, I remember I saw the movie adaptation in theaters when it came out, but I don't really have... Much of a memory for it. So uh, Fern is talking about this, of course. She and Francine are big fans of the book series. And uh, uh, thankfully, given recent events, we're not talking about uh, Henry Screever. So we don't have to have that conversation. And the next book in the Horrible Happening series is coming up very soon. And Fern decides to write a letter to Persimmony Glitchit. Which, again, this is probably lost on anybody who doesn't know about kind of the author and the kind of metatextual element of a series of unfortunate events. Cause this was, this was what stuck in my mind the most about the book series when I was a kid. It's the fact that you never saw the author's face. Lemony Snicket was like this figure shrouded in mystery who had to keep his identity a secret. 
and all this kind of thing. And Persimony Glitch is the same way. It's like you can write to him, but it will probably be handled by his assistant. Right. Which I believe was also the thing of like, you know, Lemony Snicket's butler or whatever. And it turned out in the end, like not to not to spoil this for anybody, but it's like <gasps> it's it's just it's somebody's pen name. It's the it's the author used Lemony Snicket as a pen name and kind of had fun with it. So it's a little bit hard if you don't know that side to it, but that's where the kind of persimony glitched character comes from in these flashbacks. So like Fern will deliver her letter on, you know, she wants to be a writer and it will, we'll see this big thing of like, it's being delivered by car, then by plane and then being uh, swum. The Butler swims out to give it to persimony glitched personally. So all this mystery around it. Um, and Fern finally gets her letter, like, six to eight weeks later or whatever. I love this little part. So Francine is kind of her second in this episode. So she gets the letter while Francine is there. And Fern just goes in her house, slams the door in Francine's face. <laughs> and the big theme of this episode is that, so Fern initially gets the letter and it's blank. But she takes that to mean because Fern is all in her detective stuff. She's probably into the spy craze as well. Oh, Fern sleuthing. Big time. And she uh, reads it with a uh, UV light or, or whatever type of light it is that allows you to read invisible ink. The basis here is that, and I, I want to call out uh, Persimony Glitchit and Miss Turner as well, the librarian, both of them encouraging Fern to become a writer. So Glitchit gives her some tips. Miss Turner later suggests where she can publish her writing. It just, it just kind of warmed my heart a little bit to see Fern wanting to be a writer and she's getting practical advice on how she can do that at her age. It's really cool. So after getting some encouragement from Persimony Glitchit and Miss Turner, she decides to become a writer, and her pen name is going to be after her two favorite writers of all time, Agatha Shelley. Which is, Which uh, is a pretty good pen, a little on the nose, but a pretty good pen name. I'll also say, when Fern's getting ready to write, I think it's about 18, oh, let me see if I can get the time I know exactly stamp. what you're talking about. Oh, how it says Beantown on the on the pencil sharpener? Oh, okay. Mine's actually a couple seconds after that. Oh, so okay. Be- so, Chicago? Uh, no, uh, I believe Boston is Beantown. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, Chicago, Boston area listeners, I'm sorry. That's that's my Canadian ignorance coming out there. I apologize. Uh, yeah, it's 1819 is where we get Bean Town. Bean Town, gotcha. Uh, no, what I was what I was looking at was Fern tightening her bow. She does that a couple of times to be like, do her like anime putting the goggles on. Let's get down yeah, to business. It's very uh, Kiki's delivery service. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, Agatha Shelley, like you said, a bit on the nose, but it's in that way that kids are on the nose about it. So it's like, I could see that being her first, like, live journal username or something. Her, her login for fanfiction.net. I just thought it was very cute. Uh, so she gets it, she writes a story that is not at all like the normal stuff she writes, which is like kind of moody, gothic, detective fiction. So she submits something to the Lakewood Elementary Reader, and it's called Happy Happenings. Uh, And she is very excited to kind of get people's reaction to it without tipping her hat too much that she's Agatha Shelley. And the initial response is negative. Yeah, this. so this is my favorite part of this episode, is um, her trying to kind of play coy and be like, ooh, what did you think of Happy Happenings? Um... And just one after another, just savagery. Like, I forget who says this, but one goes, was that the boring one? 
Um, someone else, this was my favorite, goes, a shallow take on a shallow life. I think that was Binky, and I, I wrote that down, too. It was so, so, so callous. But, of course, he's not, he doesn't know that that's Fern. But still, it's just like, ooh, my God, it's, it's, it's raw. Um, so yeah, Happy Happenings, which is a very treacly story that kind of doesn't go anywhere about a character named Felicity Bonches, which is apparently a reference. We're going to get into that later in the episode. Um, and too happy. So everybody's, everybody's saying it's like, it's too happy. There's, you know, nothing happens and there's no conflict, which is kind of trying into what the cold open was talking about. Um, so this is very discouraging to Fern. She tried to write something different and it really didn't work. And the negative reviews get to her a little bit. So she writes to Persimone Glitchit again, who says, who's like, you can always imagine your critics being, you know, what, what I forget what the language she used was, but like savaged or, you know, torn apart or whatever it is. We get this really funny uh, imagination scene where it's like Francine giving Fern a bad review and she just gets abducted by a pterodactyl. Oh my gosh. And Fern, if Fern is right next to her, she just smiles and says nothing. It's really funny. Because, and especially because it's so quick. It's like Francine is saying something, pterodactyl grabs her, that's the end. We don't see anything beyond that. Uh, Fern decides to take it in a little bit of a different uh, in a little bit of a different way and adds a bit of conflict. She adds like a villain character and like a treasure that uh, uh, Felicity Bonches is looking after. And then that really gets the hooks into the readers. Everybody likes it much, much better. Uh, Fern and Francine are talking about it and kind of like, what parts did you like the best? And I was like, hmm, Fern uses a word for Romani people that was actually talked about in a recent episode. Oh, I'm just yeah. like, huh. Baby, Fern's first problematic writing, perhaps. <laughs> oh, man. man. 14 years really makes a difference, huh? Yeah, for real, though. There is going to be a book signing by Pers- Persimony Glitchit, apparently, at the local bookstore. So Fern is very happy to meet him. And, of course, this is a book signing for the brand new book, which everybody has been waiting for. But it turns out it is only his, I want to say it's like his his assistant, essentially. The one we keep seeing delivering him his mail in in kind of Fern's little imaginations. Uh, but as she's she gets her book signed by the assistant, and she's in the mystery section, and we see a familiar figure. So in this episode, what did you think of uh, Persimony Glitch's fit here? He's got like oh a fedora. Oh my gosh, yeah. He's got so a bomber I, you know, jacket. Takes, he's dressed like P.K. Subban with the, like the, the blue <laughs> turtleneck, the bomber, and the fedora. It's a very like P.K. Subban-esque, you know, game day fit. He's just like, like Russell Westbrook or something. Um, I'm a fan. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he kind of strikes up a conversation with Fern. Fern, of course, not really knowing who he is, but uh, kind of, I, I can't exactly remember the matter of their conversation. Do you remember? Uh, he, he, well, it's funny, he's kind of doing, He's he too is being very coy. He's like, I can't stand those Lemony uh, uh, Snicket books, those Lemony Glitchet books. Um, yeah. And Fern's like, well, you know, as a matter of fact, that's actually my favorite. You know, I really like that author eventually he does sign her book which is a little weird it's just like if if some random man that you don't know who he is grabbed your book and signed it i'd be like don't do that <laughs> especially after she got it signed by glitch's assistant but it turns out it's an it's an autograph from persimony glitch it himself and they see him speeding away in his car and kind of gives him a wave and that's kind of it that's you know what it's you know talking about it right now is like yeah that's kind of what happened in the episode the, the long and short of it. 
So, Lucas, uh, we're going to be talking about our thoughts here in a second, but there was somebody, uh, a former guest of the show, who wanted to give her thoughts. So I'm going to turn things over to her for just a little bit, and we'll be back in just a second uh, with our thoughts on this Arthur episode. Well, a little surprise for us here on Elwood City Limits. A lot of times when we're getting to an episode, there's uh, somebody uh, in our kind of neighborhood of friends that uh, we that want, that has a few things to say. And it turns out that one of our previous guests on the show has a few thoughts that she wants to share with us as well. So welcome back to the show, uh, Viv. Hey, Viv. Hi, well, and hi, Lucas, even though you're not in the room. <laughs> <laughs> he appreciates it. Well, it's really good to hear from you, Viv. So this episode, of course, that we're talking about involves the stories of the squirrels and Fern and Persimony Glitchet. Now, you had thoughts on both of those episodes, and I'm curious to hear what you have to say. So let's start off with the squirrels, if that's okay, and we'll lead up into Fern and Persimony Glitchet. What, um, what kind of struck you about this episode in particular? The first thing is that uh, they are scared by... Uh a creature that's not that scary, squirrels. And when I was little, in fourth grade on Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Day, there was no school that day. And if uh, that day didn't exist, then I wouldn't watch the scariest episode ever about cabbages. <laughs> okay. It was, so, and, and that episode scared you to the degree that, uh, that the squirrels did for, for Arthur and Buster? It was an Australian uh, uh, kid show. Uh, it's a computer animated show, and it, and I think it's on. It, I saw it on PBS. They didn't really do a good job with um, with it of encountering something that's very scary because most of the episode took place in this nightmare that the main character had, where that was cabbage thing, and people worshipped cabbages or something, and. Um, huh. His friends were turning into cabbages in two different ways, and the second time was very creepy because there was a shadow of his best friend turning into a cabbage, and it was very creepy and very scary, and I didn't overcome that fear until I was in seventh grade. And how did you overcome that fear? I think it was because I was reading A Magic Treehouse a book at the time and they had the word cabbages in it and I and then I guess I uh thought that um oh uh I guess cabbages aren't that scary one time I couldn't finish a book because it had the word cabbages in it in previous episodes the squirrels didn't look like this like little itty bitty aliens adorable little fuzzy gray aliens which is kind of Interesting that they changed the design. I think they were just trying to make it more animal-looking. Because in the previous episodes, it didn't really—they didn't really look like animals. They just looked like characters because they have eyes and pupils. But when you see a squirrel, they don't really look like that. They don't look like a cartoon from a Snow White movie or a Bambi movie. Do you want to talk about um, your feelings on Fern and Persimony Glitchet? This was, this was, I think this story especially was one that you wanted to uh, talk about. And I'm really interested um, what kind of, what, what kind of this sparks for you? What, uh, what this story makes you feel and why, why it sits so strongly with you? She wants to write a story someday or she's an inspiring author and 
she gets the opportunity to write to this author. I never done that myself. I've done that in a, a different way where I emailed one of the new writers of Arthur, uh, uh, Matt Hoverman. I used to have the email, but I accidentally deleted it. But I remember what it said. And you've me- and you've mentioned that you're a writer, much like much like Fern is in this episode. So, um, did you relate to it in that way? Yes, that's why it's my favorite. Ah, oh, is is this one of your favorite episodes, or the or your very favorite? This is my favorite episode of all time, and my second favorite episode uh, is the one where um, Neil Gaiman is in it. Oh, we haven't gotten to that one yet. I'm excited. I'm excited though. That's gonna it's gonna take a little while to get there, but I'm I'm very excited to do that one. So good. That means I have a lot to look forward to. When Fern's uh, Fern's mom uh, suggests uh, writing a certain story, it wasn't uh, something that was made up for the episode. It was actually a reference to a postcards from Buster episode. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Neither did I when I first watched it, but. I discovered this probably about a year ago, I think. I like the the uh, parts where uh, Fern fiddles with her bow. That was very cute. It makes her look like uh, she's determined to get to work. And when she mentions her uh, favorite authors, mm-hmm. she doesn't mention the Henry Screever author. So I don't think uh, she's into the Henry Screever books like everyone else is. That's right. I was kind of thinking about that and how, uh, yeah, there there was, I almost was expecting a mention of Henry Screever, but there wasn't any. So yeah, that must be a little bit of insight into into what she, and what she does and doesn't like to read. Yeah, and it's uh, kind of strange a little bit because look at the Harry Potter books, and I think this might be similar to the Henry Screever books, is that the Harry Potter books has a little hint of mystery in them, and she likes mystery, so she might end uh, ended up uh, she might someday end up reading the books. Before I forget to ask you, Viv, you said you mentioned that you uh, wrote uh, an email to one of the Arthur writers, and you said that you remember uh, what it said. Do you mind sharing that? Uh huh. I forget what I said, but he replied back saying how he became uh, a writer on Arthur, but. It was when, but during the Flash animation era, but now I'm used to the Flash animation, but he was working on a play Mm -hmm. or something, and uh, one of his college friends uh, mentions, oh, you could uh, work, uh, I know some people you can work for, or or something like that, and so he uh, auditioned uh, to become one of the writers of the show. And he ended up uh, uh, giving some ideas for possible episodes, and he got the part. That's awesome. I'm super glad he told you that. I found the ending kind of odd, kind of like open-ended. We don't really go back to this problem again in any future episodes, except for uh, mentioning uh, one of the books again. So it was just kind of odd. He just uh, leaves and... Francine and Fern are confused. Hmm. Well, that's too bad. I was kind of wondering if maybe he would, but... Oh, well. I guess not. Um, Viv, your your feedback on this is always appreciated. You are a, you are a practical encyclopedia of Arthur knowledge, so there's a lot of stuff that, that I don't know that you're able to fill in the gaps with, so I really appreciate uh, you taking a look at this episode. Um, before we say goodbye here, I 
did want to mention the fact that you have recently started your own Patreon. Yes, I did. If you go to my Twitter, at KitKatValerie, uh, without an E, between the L and the R, um, it will be pinned up uh, there at the top, and you'll be able to click on it and join me, and, and I mean, <laughs> and uh, join my Patreon if you want to. And I already have, and I'm very much looking forward to what you're going to be creating. Uh, it seems that you can also check out the URL, patreon.com slash Arthur and Buster. Is it BFFL fan or just BFFL? Just BFFL. Patreon, patreon.com slash Arthur and Buster BFFL. And uh, you've got you're, you've got some uh, Arthur-related projects and some other things coming up very soon, I'm, t- I'm to understand. Yeah, I, um, I, I sort of do. I mean, I don't have lots of plans, just a few little plans. Well, I've always enjoyed your YouTube videos, and I, f- and I feel very happy to be able to support you. And uh, I really hope that you uh, keep making content. I hope so, too. <laughs> so if you, want to, if you want to see more from Viv, I've already seen a couple of behind-the-scenes shots over on her Patreon. Patreon.com slash Arthur and Buster BFFL. And you can uh, support somebody else who is making some great Arthur media and other media as well. I know that you're not, enti- you're not just... Uh, a fan of Arthur. You're a fan of a lot of other things, too. Yeah, I am. All right. Viv, thank you so much for joining us here on ECL today. Uh, anything else before we uh, say goodbye here? This part isn't from the episode, but I'm going to say it anyway <laughs> because it was it's very funny. It uh, It's from an episode after uh, uh, the special someone episode. Isn't regurgitating fascinating? <laughs> Ah, that's awesome. We get two closer quotes for this episode. Uh, That's Viv Arthur and Buster BFFL. Find her on Twitter, find her on YouTube, and of course, find her on Patreon. Viv, it's really good to hear from you again. Thanks a lot. Thank you, too. And bye, Lucas. Well, it was great to hear from Viv. I'm really glad I was able to talk to her. But Lucas, I want to talk to you about this now. Uh, let's, Let's roll it back to the squirrels. It seems that you liked that one. Well, I... Loved the squirrels. I loved, loved, loved the squirrels. Season 10, off to a great start. Uh, I already feel kind of more passionate about the squirrels than uh, uh, most episodes we saw in season 9. Now, I will say, usually when we say a a Arthur episode is exceptional, um, it's usually got the combination of being funny, uh, clever, and kind of having an effective moral. There's not really a moral to the squirrels. Um, I guess the, the, the situation is like, if you have an irrational fear, you know, you should learn about the thing that you're afraid. It's kind of, if you try to put it in those kind of terms, it it kind of falls apart a little bit where there's not really a, a, a tried and true moral to it. But you know what? I just thought it was a really funny episode, um, a really entertaining episode. I wasn't bored at all. And I thought it was a really visually interesting episode. Um, maybe I'm biased, um, you know, because I like Hitchcock and I like movies and that kind of thing. And so seeing this very specific type of homage, uh, uh, you know, was really uh, putting wind into my sails. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a blast. I'm glad you did. I, uh, I'm a little bit cooler on it than you are. But um, what I did appreciate was that it kind of tackled its 
issue, quote-unquote, not so much an issue episode, but it did so in a way that was very strange, but the more we talked about it, the more I kind of appreciated what it was doing. It's all about facing your fears, which is a pretty pretty standard children's show thing, but there's so many twists and turns to the story and, like, Well, little, yeah, and that, uh, it's very rare an Arthur episode full-on surprises me. That's something else that I really want to, like, the, at, the, at the point where the squirrels go into the house... I was like, what is this episode? <laughs> yeah. And it, it kind of never goes the way that you think it will. Um, I think, personally, it didn't do so much for me that it did for you. But what it did do, I, will, I think, was quite good. So I want to be clear about that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it did what it did. It's also just a, a funny... I, I wonder how that kind of idea came about of we're going to do Alfred Hitchcock's The the birds, but we're going to do the squirrels instead. So I'm sure the people who are film buffs in the writer's room probably got a good kick out of that. And the animators as well, uh, recreating all the shots and uh, with all the framing as well, like you said. Um, so I think where we may differ is that my big passion is for Fern and Persimmony Glitchit. Now, I will admit that in talking about the episode here with you, Lucas, I notice its str- its its narrative structure is a little weak. Kind of not a lot happens when you talk about it in kind of a blow-by-blow way. But what I really appreciated, aside from Fern getting her own episode, which I love Fern, and she's one of my favorite characters, um, the message of people, kids who are like Fern, like I, I was like Fern, I wanted to be a writer when I grew up, and I wanted to do all this kind of stuff, and getting real concrete, like, advice, not only does the character get that kind of advice, but the viewer does too, and I think it's always, I'm glad when Arthur can be a voice of encouragement, and I feel like it was for both the character of Fern, and for kids watching who are at all relate to Fern, and I thought they did that in a really cool way. It also seems like just a love letter to this book series. So I imagine I'd really like this episode even more if I, you know, read the series or felt any kind of way about it. So I'd be interested to hear from any of our listeners who are big fans, um, who uh, who feel who feel if that comes across or not. Uh, but other than that, I just thought this was a, a very inventive episode. They got to use a lot of fun imagery. Um, and I think Fern episodes always lend themselves to a little bit of, put a little bit of spark in there. So I was very entertained the whole way through. This was great. Uh, I, I think we're kind of the inverse on this one where it's like, I was a little bit cooler on Fern and Persimony Glitchit, but there's a lot I like about it. Um, I, I love the whole sequence where like Fern is like seeking approval from her peers and, and they keep like, for lack of a better term, crapping all over her story. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, I think all the parody stuff, like I think, uh, Parsimony Glitchit's characterization in particular is he comes off as this like mysterious guy with this cool outfit and he's in all these like weird locations. He's kind of in Todd McFarland-esque locations, uh, when he gets these letters from Fern, I'm, I'm, I'm half surprised for him to turn into the camera and go, you know, Fern, what would you do if you were hearing a call from the darkness? Um, but, uh, 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 so I was into all that stuff. I just think the episode's a tad front-loaded. Like, once we get to the end, it just kind of, it kind of fizzles out. There's not really, I guess there's not really any, a, a lot of, uh, uh, conflict in it in general, besides kind of Fern seeking the approval of her peers, and not every episode has to have a, a lot of conflict, but I felt a little a little empty with with the conclusion. That being said, I think it's a really really solid Arthur episode, um, and it's so nice to hear from Fern again. 
And what's unfortunate, as Viv mentioned in her kind of recollections there, we never see Persimmony glitch it ever again. So there's a little bit of a tease at the end of just like, oh, what happened? Are we ever going to see him again? So no, apparently we don't, which is uh, which is too bad. Um, yeah, and it's it's it was just uh, both of these were very fun and interesting in their own ways. So I'm glad that we were able to talk about it here. And we're going to have a whole lot more to talk about as we uh, keep on going here. And the next time you'll hear from us will be in the summer. And if you're a patron, you'll be hearing from us uh, as soon as next week. Because we... Oh, man. How do I explain this without seeming like a weirdo? Lucas and I are going to be talking on our Patreon-exclusive podcast for the kids, a PBS Kids podcast. We're going to be talking about Barney and Friends. So that's going to be... uh, a time, a time and a half, and I feel like that's also going to be a, secretly a lot of research to do, which I'm v- looking forward to. But also, that means we'll have to watch an episode of Barney, so huh, probably a lot to choose from. But but uh, we're gonna have fun, and it's and I'm actually really looking forward to that episode. It's just like it's just one of the stranger PBS Kids shows that we are going to be revisiting, uh, and we just did the Wishbone episode. So if you want to check that out, you can. Lucas, next time here on the main feed of Elwood City Limits, we're going to be looking at the stories Desert Island Dish and The Secret About Secrets. Oh my gosh, finally! I get to know The Secret About Secrets, Will! I've been waiting! The Secret Garden, The Secret Passage, I I don't know. What is The Secret? The Legend of the Lost Legend? What's it going to be? Ryback's favorite book, The Secret. (laughs) So every once in a while, folks, on Elwood City Limits, I say a joke, and it's not for any of you guys. It's just for Will. <laughs> I have a mood board. No, it's a, a vision board. I'm going to face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. <laughs> God, what a weirdo. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to be we're gonna be looking at that. Those episode titles are not giving anything away. So this literally could be anything, could be about anyone. So we're just going to have to wait and see here on Elwood City Limits. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. It's been a great time here. And uh, make sure to stay cool this summer. My name's Will Young. And for Lucas Mancini. Uh, Mom, Arthur's being mean to aliens. We'll see you next time. <laughs>